Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. Thanksgiving weekend, did any of you have a large group of people at your home? Now, at your home. We don't want to, uh, you were with a large group, but did you have a large group of people at your home? We had 15. Anybody beat us? Oh, oh, huh? How many? 22. Anybody beat 22? Ah, back here, what do we have? How many? 28. We're getting close to 30. Anybody got 30? 30 going once, or I guess it's 28 going once. It was, wasn't it nice to get together again? Last year we were <laughs> reflecting and uh, on Wednesday, Christy, or Tuesday, excuse me, Christy uh, buzzed me and she said, Pastor Rick, I have some good news for you. I thought, oh, I like good news. And she said, um, she, was, she was working on payroll. She said, last year on this exact same pay period, you had 80 hours of sick time. This year I only had one. Last year is when I was ill with COVID and many others, and Thanksgiving just sort of did not happen, or at least happened in the traditional way. And I know some people, you weren't able to have family over, still not. You're, you're still uh, being very, very safe and cautious due to your health. And, um, you know, I, I understand. But for some of us, it was good to be able to sit down with family again. We had family come up from Atlanta, family come down from Michigan. They all gathered, little kids. It was interesting, there was a picture um, and I, I didn't put it on social media yet. I was going to, and it was going to say, big kids playing with the little kids because um, they're four uh, under the age of 10 there. But the big kids, <laughs> two of them were actually married. But that's how we still see our relatives, right? You know, our nieces and nephews, they're still the, the kids. They were the big kids, married big kids, and they were playing with the little kids a game on the floor, and it was, it was so good to see that. So it was good to get together. But here's the thing. If you had a big group of people at your house, you know it takes a lot of food and a lot of money to feed a large group. <laughs> John knows. Now, what if... What if that group that was at your house, the 28 over here, the 22 or 24 over here, 18, 15, what if not only were you responsible to feed them, you were all traveling together? So you were not only feeding them, but you were taking care of their lodging. Think how much money that would take. As I began to think about that, it... it it, it caused me to think of a few things. How did Jesus, how did Jesus feed and lodge all the people that traveled with him? Scripture tells us that his ministry lasted about three years. M much of it was in places not near his home. How did Jesus do that? We know the 12 were always with him, so that's 13. But the Bible says there were others that followed, and at one point, Jesus sends out pairs of people. Seventy-two other disciples were sent out in pairs. He instructed them to preach that the kingdom of God was near, and also they were to heal the sick. 
And they were to take authority over evil spirits. Now, the reason I say that is, is think about it. These individuals had to have been around Jesus long enough for them to be instructed in the ways of the kingdom, for them to know what it takes to pray for the sick so that they'll recover, for them to know what it's going to take to take authority over evil spirits. So think of that. Now we got 72 others, we've got the 12, we've got Jesus, and we probably have several others that are traveling with him. How is Jesus able to feed them? You say, well, he can multiply food. We only know of two times that he did that. Well, maybe he got money from someplace else. We only know of one time that he got money from someplace else. It's when um, uh, he told Peter to throw a line into the, into the lake, and there was, he was going to catch a fish and to reach in its mouth, and there was going to be a gold coin to pay a temple tax. No, Jesus had to use natural methods just like we do. There's a large caravan of people traveling with him. They were being fed three meals a day, They had to have a place to sleep, and if that was outside, probably they needed tents. If it wasn't outside, they needed to make arrangements for people to have a bed to sleep in. All of that to say this. Here's my point. It would cost a lot of money for Jesus to travel around as he did. Where did the money come from? Today we're going to talk about gratitude. My title is Grateful Hearts Become Faithful Partners. This will make sense in a moment. But the Bible actually gives us some insight as to how Jesus and his companions were able to meet the expenses on their journey. First of all, we know they had a treasurer. (coughs) One of the apostles was designated a treasurer. Who was the treasurer? Anybody know? Judas. Judas Iscariot was the treasurer. The Bible tells us one other thing about Judas and his treasury. In John 12, 6, it tells us something about him. What does it tell us about him? He was a thief. He actually would steal from the money that was given. See, what happened was Jesus had a revenue source as people gave to their ministry. It was entrusted to Judas, and from time to time, Judas decided maybe he needed a little of this or he needed a little of that, and he actually stole from the treasury. John 12, 6 says he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole, stole from it. So let's go to Luke's Gospel, the 8th chapter. This text will be coming up on the screen if you want to follow along there, or if you're at home and you're using your device to watch us, it's hard to read the Bible and watch us at the same time. But in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, we get an insight as to how Jesus was able to stay on the road for three, three and a half years. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him along with some women, so there's some women traveling, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's business manager. Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. You see it in that last line there? 
Many, those three by name and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had a team of people partner with him and his disciples to financially keep them on the road. In this verse, the Greek word for contributing, it says many others were contributing from their resources to support Jesus and his disciples. The tense of this Greek word contributing actually means it was an ongoing, regular thing that they did. There was a group of individuals who regularly supported Jesus. They got money to him. Maybe they supplied meals. Maybe they brought in pitch-in dinners. They knew he was coming to this town. Maybe they opened their homes to three or four or five or six of those who were traveling. But when Jesus was around, they regularly contributed. They donated of money and other resources. And they did it, as I said, regularly. They were faithful Partners, and some of these women from time to time even traveled with Jesus. Now, I want us to look at the motivation for them giving so generously. These particular individuals had been blessed by Jesus' ministry. They had been delivered from evil spirits. They had been healed of diseases and sicknesses. Now, think about it. They mentioned Mary by name. She was tormented by seven evil spirits and then set free by Jesus. We don't know when this happened. We just know that it did. In the Bible, it has um, places where an individual had one spirit cast out of him. It was individuals who just cried out in the temple or fell on the ground and, and, and rolled around when Jesus came near. What must Mary's life had been like with seven evil spirits? or unclean spirits, depending on your translation, how it translates that Greek word. Think about it. She is now free. She has been living for possibly years with seven unclean spirits, and now she is set free. Some of the others were set free from evil spirits. Others were healed of diseases and sicknesses. All those who were contributing, each one, had in some way been touched by Jesus and they were grateful for what he had done. And they expressed their gratitude regularly by donating to Jesus and his team. They partnered with him so that he can help other people. There's a note sheet this morning, and we're going to go through these notes pretty quickly. And uh, I'm going to make a few comments, and then I'm going to close with a, a, a rather long story. But let's go to the notes this morning. Number one, gratitude must be expressed. Gratitude must be expressed. If you are grateful, you must express it. There's something inside of you that needs to express it. Second point, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And it doesn't matter how much gratitude you feel inside of you, if it is not expressed, you come across as ungrateful. Now, I, I'm going to just speak to someone. I don't know who I'm speaking to. But someone here, and this was just something the Lord dropped in my heart. It's off of my notes. Someone here has not expressed their gratitude to a parent. And you need to change that. 
because your unexpressed gratitude, oh, you're, you're very appreciative of what your parent did and maybe raising you or helping you through a hard time, but you have not expressed it, and unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And so you may have a parent sitting there thinking that you didn't care about what they did or how they raised you. I don't know who this is for. Uh, I just, I just want to em, uh, emphasize it again. You need to express your gratitude to that parent or parents because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Gratitude must be expressed. Number three, out of our gratitude for what Jesus did in our life, now this is now expressing gratitude back to Jesus, out of our gratitude for what Jesus did in our life, we share and sacrifice of our resources so that others can be blessed. See, the women that are mentioned in this passage here in the book of Luke are vivid examples of people with grateful hearts. They wanted to do whatever they could financially so that the ministry that had helped them could reach out and touch others. If you have been helped by Jesus, if your life has been transformed by Jesus, if you are different because of what Jesus did in your life, don't you want others to be touched too? And the way that you do that is you partner with others who are blessing other people. Winston Churchill said this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. You make a living by what you are earning, by what you get. But when life becomes rich, we make a life by what we give. So that third point was out of our gratitude for what Jesus did in our life, we share and sacrifice of our resources so that others can be blessed. Number four, how thankful you are to Jesus will be reflected in your finances and your time and talents. How thankful you are to Jesus will be reflected in your finances and your time and your talents. Now, just going to ask a question, not asking for a response. How thankful to Jesus does your financial statements and your calendar reveal right now, today? How thankful to Jesus for what he has done for you, for your family? How thankful, how grateful, how is that expressed in your financial statements and your calendar? Giving to reach the world through missions is one way. In fact, it's a really great way to express your gratitude for all that Jesus has done for you. But what does your finances and what does your calendar show right now for your thankfulness to Jesus? And you might say this, Pastor, I don't have the time or the resources to do it. And I would counter back and I would say all of us have some time and we have resources, we just have not prioritized them as a way of being thankful of our, uh, to our Lord. You say, no, I don't have anything. I want you to just listen as I read from Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, because literally this is a woman who had nothing. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. 
Jesus sees our giving, folks. He also knows our attitude towards giving. This woman's love for God was reflected in that she had virtually nothing, but out of her nothing, she gave it all because she wanted to honor the God who had blessed her in some way. She wanted to support the temple where she could worship. We all have something And I'm going to challenge you to really look for what that something is. I'm going to challenge you to maybe even go beyond what you think would be reasonable because gratitude is not always reasonable. Number five, Jesus will eternally reward each person because of their giving to advance the kingdom. Jesus will eternally reward each person because of their giving to advance the kingdom. The kingdom. Missionary and writer Rick Renner made this statement regarding those who supported his ministry when he was ministering in Russia. Quoting from him now, My wife and I and our team may be the ones who are doing the actual work on the front lines of the ministry, but we can only do that work because of the resources entrusted to us by faithful partners. When we all stand before Jesus to be rewarded for what we have done for him in this life, our partners will be as richly rewarded as those of us who worked on the front lines, for they financially empowered us to do the job. This is his belief, and I believe the scripture backs this up, because Jesus said, if you give a cup of water to a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. And and he's saying, um, our partners will be as richly rewarded as those of us who worked on the front lines for they financially empowered us to do the jobs. Let me just go through a few stories of what this church, of what we have done, what we are going to be rewarded for. Jess and Raylan Cook on the IU campus, uh, they were just here recently with us on the IU campus in Bloomington, reported that they baptized 13 students last month. 11 guys and 2 girls. And we're part of Chi Alpha on the IU campus. So we're going to be a part of the blessing. They were on the front lines. They were the ones sharing their faith. But there are 13 souls in the kingdom of God, college students, because we partnered with Chi Alpha. Let's hear about another. Christopher and Carol Martin, that's the ones who did the video. Um, There are workers in Morocco. They wrote that they, like the rest of us, had been impacted by COVID and shutdowns, which impacted the way in which they did ministry in Morocco for the past year and a half. But they said, right now, all of our 50 house churches have returned to regular meetings. And listen to this. Additionally, there are many new followers of Jesus in Morocco this year. Just this summer, we held discipleship camps for 120 new COVID converts, is what they're calling them. So even during COVID, our missionaries in Morocco were reaching souls for the kingdom, 120 of them. And guess what, folks? We're a part of the reward they're going to receive. Our missions organization, Convoy of Hope. Some of you are aware of Convoy of Hope. They're a global based or they're a global faith-based relief organization. They go in after disasters, but they also have feeding programs in, in many poor countries. Listen to what happened just recently with Convoy of Hope. And we are we've been a part of Convoy of Hope. Hurricane Ida. To date, Convoy has provided more than, are you ready for this? This is Hurricane Ida. million pounds of relief supplies to Ida survivors in Louisiana alone. The Haiti earthquake. 
Less than a week after the earthquake, Convoy of Hope had provided more than one million meals and emergency supplies. And to date, in Haiti, Convoy of Hope and the partners there have distributed more than six million meals since the earthquake. Closer to home, the Tennessee flooding. They report this, before the floodwaters had drained from the Trace Creek Valley, and we've seen the, the video and the news of the flooding, the devastating flooding uh, from 15, 17, 18 inches of rain. Before floodwaters had drained from the Trace Creek Valley, Convoy of Hope was on the ground with food, water, and cleaning items. Convoy delivered multiple tractor-trailer loads of reliefs, relief supplies and Convoy of Hope volunteers pray and minister to people. And often the uh, distribution points are in conjunction with a local church that can follow up on people as they've been prayed for. And we have all been a part of Convoy of Hope's effort because this church gives monthly to support Convoy of Hope. And as you give to missions, you're a part of that also. And if what Rick Renner says is true, and I believe that it is, when the rewards in heaven come, convoy and those who were convoy have rewards waiting for them. And so do the faithful financial partners, you and I, who partner with them. Now, here's one that's a little more personal. This is from Roger Alberto Sosa Palmer. He wrote us a letter. That's actually a, a scan of the letter. He lives in Latin America and is a child that CFA, we, we sponsor through an organization called Child Hope. Uh, he's in the third grade. He wrote the letter in Spanish, but they were kind enough to translate it into English, so I didn't have to take it home unless Sherry translated it or, or, or someone else. Here's what he said. Hello, dear sponsor. God bless you. I love Jesus because he died for me on the cross one day. He is the best gift that I have received is good to me and my family. Despite all my mistakes, he is always with me, and he comforts me. Because of your support, and then because of this church's monthly support, Roger is getting an education in a Christian school. He knows about Jesus, has opened his heart to Jesus, and through the sponsorship that we have for this child, he also receives food and medical care. We are part of Roger's life and we will receive eternal rewards. As I stated, real gratitude must express itself. Are you grateful for what Jesus did? How are you expressing it? Certainly you can tell him with your lips, but the Bible shows that one of the ways that we show our gratitude is we support those who are going out through missions. Jesus was supported, but not only was Jesus supported, Paul was supported. We looked at that last week. Missions must be supported by those of us who can't go, but we can send. I'm going to share with you one last story. It's not about missions. It's just about gratitude. During this Thanksgiving season, I thought it would be appropriate to share this story. Uh, Brad Formsma has written a book called I Like Giving. He actually has a website called I Like Giving. But Brad Formsma in his book I Like Giving shared the following story. Tracy Otler's life changed in a very unexpected way on Thanksgiving Day, 1993. Tracy was a single mother living in an apartment in a rough neighborhood. She was doing her best to raise a three-year-old while preparing for the birth of her second child. At that point, she was eight months pregnant. 
Living off of welfare and food stamps or Thanksgiving dinner would not be the sumptuous feast many Americans at that time were preparing. Hers would be primarily comprised of canned food, or at least that's how she expected to enjoy her Thanksgiving dinner. As she was staring at the canned food on her shelf, Tracy heard a knock at the door. Who could that be? She wondered. She wasn't expecting company or friends. Her family wouldn't be joining her and her three-year-old that year, but she went and answered the door. And at the door was a man from a local restaurant holding what would be a full Thanksgiving meal given to her by an anonymous donor. And before Tracy could ask any questions, he handed it over and he left. Tracy was so surprised, she spent the rest of the day crying. But more than anything, she wanted to know who had given such a thoughtful gift. She called her parents, but it wasn't them. She asked her friends, but no one knew about it. Tracy couldn't believe that someone outside of her circle of family or friends had noticed her situation and done something about it without drawing any attention to themselves. Well, years went by. Tracy still had no idea who sent the mysterious Thanksgiving dinner. And after a period of time, Tracy was able to move out of the apartment. And at the same time, she began working as a nurse at a nearby hospital. And several years later, while working at that hospital, Tracy Ottler was to discover who had provided the amazing Thanksgiving meal. One day, an elderly woman appeared. Her name was Margot, and she was placed in Tracy's care. Margot had multiple sclerosis, and her condition was becoming critical. And Tracy remembered Margot from her time on welfare, for Margot had lived in the same apartment building as Tracy all those years back. And as Tracy looked at Margot, it was clear that she didn't have much longer to live. Three days before the end of her life, Tracy was in Margot's room, ministering to her as a nurse, when Margot grabbed her hands and pulled her close and whispered two words, Happy Thanksgiving. In that moment, Tracy knew I had given her that Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, she never would have guessed that it was Margot, the unassuming neighbor with multiple sclerosis who would give such a generous gift. But that one gift had a massive impact on Tracy's life. Moved by the anonymous donor's generosity, Tracy purposed in her heart to do generous things for other people too. The very day she got off assistance, she took a basket of gifts down to the welfare office for anyone to take, and the welfare officer was stunned. Can you imagine the look on his face? Who does something like that? And that was just the beginning. Since then, Tracy and her husband have become foster parents and adopted a son. She regularly looks for opportunities to give. The last time that Brad, the author of this story, heard from her, she was getting ready to volunteer that Saturday afternoon at the local Humane Society. One of her latest ideas was to leave $5 Starbucks gift cards with little notes for her coworkers to find just to make their day better. And this year, Tracy and her family made a New Year's resolution to find 100 opportunities to give to other people. 
How inspiring is that? What I appreciate about Tracy is that she doesn't do her giving to be noticed by others. Since that Thanksgiving day in 1993, she has discovered the joy that comes from giving, and now she's hooked. She doesn't give to make herself look good. She gives because she likes giving. End quote. That's Brad Formosa from his book, I Like Giving. See, Tracy had gratitude. Gratitude for a Thanksgiving meal that it took her years to find out who gave it. And she was never able to really express much gratitude to Margot because Margot died three years later. But she purposed in her heart to make sure that others were blessed in some way. That's what our challenge is this Thanksgiving season. But I'm specifically asking and challenging you, what will you do for missions in 2022? There is a world that needs to hear Jesus. If you look at the stats on our back mission table, of the parts of the world that are unreached, still the estimates are 93% of that population has never even heard yet. 93% of the population and the amount of areas of the world that are unreached, when you go to Asia and you go to um, uh, some of the... Uh, Africa's getting more reach, but you go, to, you go to Asia, some of Europe, you go to some of the northern nations, the Soviet Union, China, uh, and uh, especially uh, those that have a, a strong Muslim uh, influence. Very few people are believers, but God loves them all. How are they going to be reached? They're going to be reached because there are men and women called to go. But you know, many of our men and women that are called to go are not able to go until they have raised the necessary support so that they can do ministry. Now, I'm going to talk to one or two people or maybe a half a dozen people today because this is something that is going through your heart, and you probably, you, if, if we're having this conversation, you might say it this way, Pastor, I am grateful, I really am, for what Jesus has done for me. I really am grateful, but I'm frightened to give. I'm in a financial mess. I don't know how it'll work out. I feel challenged, but I'm, I'm, I'm frightened. I'm going to tell you, and this isn't a trite statement. You must take a step of faith because if it's easy for you to give sacrificially to missions, you have either been doing it for a long time and have your faith grown or you're giving without needing much faith. But God's supernatural supply is released in your life when you step out in faith and give. And then the next month you give again. And the next month you give again. And the first month is usually pretty easy because your faith has been raised. But it's that third and fourth month that gets harder. Now, I want to go back to whoever I'm speaking to, either at home or here. I am grateful. I really am. But I'm frightened to give. And I'm telling you, take a step of faith. Okay. You say, well, I, I don't know what that means. And probably I wouldn't either. So, everybody listen. Look up and listen. Do it afraid. That's, that's what it means to take a step of faith. You do it afraid. I think God's calling me to give $10 a month or $20 a month. I don't know where I'm going to get it. You make a faith promise and you do it afraid. You give that first $20.
Because, see, it's in the releasing of it that you open up God's supernatural supply in your life. But if you hoard it, if you keep it, then you are restricting God from what he wants to do. He wants to get this back into your life. Do it afraid. That's what it means to step out in faith. He said, I'd love to share my faith, but I'm afraid. Do it afraid. That's stepping out in faith. So this morning, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to take the faith promise cards that are in your seat. Hopefully, you've had a chance to talk to your spouse. I know it's been Thanksgiving week, and that's difficult. Sherry and I didn't talk till this morning about it. And um, so the pastor didn't do it. Maybe you didn't do it. That's okay. We'll be collecting cards for the next couple of weeks. But I want you to ask God what he wants you to do, and then do it afraid. Take that step of faith. For there is a world that needs to hear about Jesus, and we have a need to express our gratitude. If the team can make their way back to the platform, grab a faith promise card. They're sitting next to you on the seat or in front of you, wherever they are. Sherry and I filled ours out, and then we revised it. It was interesting. Not going to get into all the situation, but I'm, I feel that God would have me tell you this because I want to challenge someone, someones, several of you, to do what we did. Okay? I'm not sure who I'm talking to. Sherry and I increased, increased our missions giving for 2022 for $1,200 that year. I'm looking for someone who's going to join me in increasing your missions giving $1,200. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I'm going to challenge you. I, really, I don't like to do this, but I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted you to know what your pastor and his wife are doing. We are increasing our missions giving by $1,200 in 2022. For those of you that are really quick with arithmetic and math, that's $100 a month. And if somebody says, ooh, do it afraid. That's what God's talking to you about. Do it afraid. It's a step of faith. These are called faith promises. We are not, it's not a pledge. You'll never be reminded of this. We will send you a letter acknowledging what you have uh, committed to by faith to give in 2022. You don't, if, if you're a regular part of this church, you don't have to fill out your address or anything else. Just give us your name, whether it's going to be a weekly, most of us do monthly faith promises, and drop it in the baskets in the back online. Just send us an email of what it's going to be. If you're not ready this week, that's okay. We're going to be collecting cards throughout the whole season. But these gifts, we would like for you to start to give in January of 2022. Grateful hearts become faithful partners. Grateful hearts become faithful partners. How grateful is your heart? Is it reflected in your finances? Is it reflected in your time as you share time and talents with others and you try to advance the kingdom? How grateful is your heart? Maybe there's somebody at home that I'm talking to. Maybe you'd take my challenge. 
and increase your missions giving to $100 a month or increase it $100 a month or maybe for the first time. That's what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Now, don't do it just because of me, but I really sense that as I shared with you what God was speaking to us about, that it would challenge some other people to rise to a similar challenge. Team's going to start singing a song here. You continue to pray and ask what God would have you do, and then I'm going to come back and close this service. part of goodness of God and it's out of that thankfulness and how good our Lord has been to us that we make the decision to give back in that in the bridge it says with my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything so let's allow that gratitude to spill over this morning part of this song let it remind you of God's goodness towards you what is he asking you to do your goodness is running after it's running after me that's how God is treating you it's his goodness it runs after you and it continues to run after you Sherry and I out of gratitude for that want to see that other people get to hear about him let's sing this again Running after, it's running after. 
Lord, we are grateful for your goodness that came running after us, that sought us, that saved us, that cleansed us, that empowered us, that spirit, the, the spirit filled us. We have the ability to come before you in prayer and you welcome us. This is your goodness. And Lord, we are so grateful. May we, out of our gratitude, be people that express it back to you and to the world through our missions giving. I thank you that this church has a heart for missions. And every year, Lord God, we have given over $60,000. But Lord, there is still more to be done. And as you have touched this church, if you have blessed families, Lord God, may we make a sacrificial faith promise for the individual that you're talking to that has never done it because they've been frightened. Lord, I pray that they would take that step of faith. They would do it afraid. They would write that first check. They would take that first amount of cash, put it in an envelope designated for missions and release it into the kingdom so that they could see what you can do with that seed of faith. We thank you that your goodness has been running after us and continues to do so. For those of you that are online, Pastor Evan is going to give some instruction as to how you can communicate with the church. You could also let us know if you're making a faith promise for mission, send us an email. I prefer you not put it in the chat where it's public, but if that's where you want to put it, just let us know because we're going to use that to set a budget for 2022. We'd love to be able to give all of our missionaries a cost of living increase or possibly to take some other missionaries on, but it all is going to depend on your level of, of giving what you believe God wants you to do by faith. God bless you. Those of you that are home, have a wonderful week. And once again, happy Thanksgiving. If I didn't get a chance to um, say that last week to you. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.